0: This is the Cavness HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Cavness. Hello, and welcome to the HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Our guest today is Christina Brennan. Christina, are you ready to be great today?
1: Always ready to be great.
0: As a communication consultant, Christina helps professionals and companies figure out what they're trying to say and it helps them say it well. Through workshops, seminars, and one-on-one coaching, Christina works to build messaging development, storytelling, and public speaking skills with her colleague, Brian Rutberg, founder of 3C Comms, as well as subcontracts for other local agencies. Christina also partners with ProDev and Young Professors of, young professors of Seattle. Formerly an active volunteer in the startup community, primarily through pitch coaching with organizations like One Million Cups and Founders Live. In 2019, Christina is focusing her volunteer time on social justice causes. She's a state coordinating committee member for the Washington State Poor People's Campaign and National Call for a Moral Revival. She has a diverse background in marketing, advertising, sales, and journalism and played college basketball while earning a communication degree with a business monitor. So, you generally wants to see everyone make it. Christina believes being able to get to your Christina believes being able to get your message across is a major key to success. The communication is a skill you can learn and always improve on. Christina, thank you for being here today. What What are you focused on right now?
1: Focus. That's a funny word. I am honestly today I'm running a workshop, so that's pretty fun. That's my favorite thing to do all the time. This weekend I'm going to be working on a poor people's campaign event. Um, So I'm just really keeping myself busy and trying to help people, whether it's through the work side or through the volunteer side, just always trying to lend a hand.
0: Christina, what is your definition of a good communicator? What does that mean to you?
1: I think a good communicator is somebody who really understands their audience or at least tries to, puts in the effort to understand their audience and speaks to their audience and not at them. So whether that's a one-on-one conversation or you're speaking to a room of thousands, and you might be thinking like, well, how do I speak with a room full of thousands? You can still connect with them and, you know, make it feel like you're having that one-on-one conversation. Like you're actually talking with somebody instead of just at them.
0: So, there's, you know, there's a lot of introverts. A lot of introverts would tell you, you well, know, I'm not a good communicator. But I think introverts can be a good communicator. What, what can an introvert do to make themselves believe they're a good communicator?
1: Oh, wow. So introverts absolutely can be great communicators. And we actually are living in a great time for, I think, the introvert to really explore those skills because we do so much online. You don't have to be necessarily out in front of people. You don't have to be speaking on a video. You can kind of take your time to gather your thoughts and write back at your own speed. So that's one thing is I would say, make sure you're just kind of leveraging some of those other tools. If you're not as comfortable being out there, make sure that you're great at writing those emails. Make sure that you're great at getting your point across, maybe in the written word, if you're a little bit less comfortable in person. Um, and then just some tips for getting comfortable in person, because ultimately, you know, you have, to have some, some kind of social presence, you have to show up to events. If you're making a name for yourself in your industry, you're probably speaking at events or being asked to speak um, within your company. If you're trying to grow, you're probably gonna have to present to senior executives within the company. So it is a skill that you need to build up. And just like anything else, you got to do it. <laughs> you got to practice. You just got to keep working those muscles so it's not like three months have gone by since you've got in front of a room and now you're panicking and feeling nervous. You kind of just got to slowly put yourself out there and build up those muscles and then also build up a team. Like maybe you're not the best person to go out pitch for the for the company. Maybe you need to get somebody else in there who has those strengths. Um, so those are some tips for introverts.
0: You brought up a good point. Can you talk about the importance of having a social media presence in today's age?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Why is it so important for us to be on social media? It's just because that's where everybody is. You know, it might have been a different case 10, 15, 20 years ago, but you've got to go where the people are. You've got to go, even though we have all this technology, even though AI is taking over this, that, and the other, people are still at the, we're still the consumers. We're still the ones running the show. We're still the ones with the creative process. So we've we've really got to be able to connect with people and they're online now. So you've got to be online too. And I also think it it just helps you reach so many more people. I mean, I can't I've met several people through Instagram that I end up meeting in person at events or things like that, and it's just been a really good tool for me. I think one thing that discourages folks is that you think maybe you have to have some huge following for it to actually be a tool for you or a revenue stream or whatever your goals are around it. and I don't think it's about that. I think it's about connecting with people who align with your message or align with your values, you are trying to build that big audience, then you need to be listening to them and figuring out what type of content they actually want and connecting with them. It all kind of comes down to that connection theme, which I'll probably talk about a lot, but it's where the people are. So you, you got to get on social media some way, somehow, I think.
0: I mean, Gary Vee says, time I started at zero. I mean, everyone starts at zero.
1: Yeah, you know, everybody starts fresh. Um, and again, you don't have to have tens of thousands of followers to you know, leverage these tools. You just, I think it's more about quality and then the, the quantity comes down the road.
0: So college graduation is coming up this summer. For people with a communication degree, like you, or, or any kind of degree graduating this summer, what advice would you have for them to go out and get their opportunity their first position? What should they be doing right now?
1: I'm going to give you a quick little anecdote before I answer that one. When I was in college, I actually changed my major several times, and so when I switched from accounting to communication, I was in a marketing class because I was uh, going after a business minor, so I kind of took a little bit of everything, which kind of explains my career path a little bit too. But this girl that was in my marketing group that we were working on this project, and I was like telling them about how I just made this decision to switch to my degree to comms and stuff, and she said, oh, you know that's an MRS degree, right? I was like, what's an MRS degree? She's like a missus because you can't do anything with it. So you're probably just going to have to go marry some rich guy. (laughs) By the way, I looked her up on LinkedIn um, a few years ago. And I wouldn't say her career is anything special to be bragging about. But so that just goes to show one little thing. But yeah, there's this kind of, I think some people see it as a lesser degree. But for me, I actually had to take these different business classes and PR and marketing. And I, I learned a lot of other things. And what I've noticed now being out in the business world is that communication is a skill that a lot of really talented, smart people are not great at. And it's super important regardless of your role. So what I would say as a graduate is to, first of all, communication can apply to anything. So don't think that you're not qualified for certain jobs or something like that. If the communication degree isn't listed on like the types of degrees that they want, still apply. If you think that you got it, you think that it's something that you want to do, still apply. It's all about how you package up those skills and talk about how it's going to impact that company or impact that role. It doesn't really matter. And that goes for anybody with any kind of degree, honestly. And I would just say too, is to really highlight the, the impact of the projects that you worked on and the internships that you had. Talk about your results. That's, and again, that goes across the board for anything, but with communication specifically, I think. You just kind of have to not pigeonhole yourself, but honestly, I've I've looked at job postings and stuff, and communication degrees on everything because it really does touch every part of the business. So you don't have to just go straight into marketing or advertising. You can end up in HR. You could end up in, in end up at a startup doing <laughs> five different jobs. Um, so I think that the biggest thing is just to keep like your 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 eyes big. Go for whatever it is that you want to go for. Don't think you're not qualified because you are.
0: So one thing I think that college graduates and veterans do wrong, like when the veterans get out to find a job and college students, you know, get a job, they network, but they network with their own people. Like veterans go network veterans, college students go network veterans, college students. Whereas you actually like going to chamber commerces or rotary clubs, startup meetings. How do we change that mindset those two groups?
1: It totally makes sense that, you know, the veterans would go with the veterans and young professionals hanging out with young professionals um, or you go to your industry, right? So if you're in accounting major, you're going to the accounting folks and hanging out with them. And I think that's a good place to start, right? That's your comfort zone. So especially if we we're talking about introverts earlier. Go practice on people that you know you have something in common with and, you know, and practice those conversations, practice talking about yourself. I think that's great. But like you said, it kind of just pigeonholes you into a circle of maybe your competition. If you're going to get new business or, you know, get leads for jobs or something like that, Probably don't want to just be networking with people who are going after the same jobs or going after the same business. So definitely cross industry looking for stuff that's maybe complementary but not competitive, Question with communication. That's a lot of different things. They kind of all the business side of, of it, you know, outside of the technical side of building products and things like that, you can kind of find your, your in throughout the the administrative and business side and sales and all of that. And so just kind of looking for those different industry things. And then kind of back to what I was saying really about the jobs thing, like, don't, if it doesn't look like you maybe should be, go, you belong there, like, put yourself out there, go to the Columbia Tower Club, go to, you know, wherever it is in your city, that's, you know, got the fancy people, go out there, even if you're not qualified yet, even if it's, you know, you look at the, it's like, oh, there's people who've been there for 10, 15 years, or these people are 20, 30 years older than me. Cool, they've got 20, 30 years of experience that they might be able to share with you. And then to that point, also, when you're at these networking events, don't be afraid to to ask people who've been around the block to help you and give you some advice.
0: Christina, you're active in very many social justice causes. Can you, can you talk about one that you're really passionate about right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned it earlier. Poor People's Campaign. It's a national call for a moral revival. So it is a national campaign. We're in 40 states. And then each state has its own committee that's part of the campaign. And then we're also in regions. So I actually get to participate in regional calls where we study different elements of the campaign, which are systemic racism, poverty, obviously with the name, the war economy and ecological devastation, and then how those four pillars kind of touch each other and how those issues are compounded by each other. So it's a really big, broad net. So it's a lot of different things. We did 40 days of mass action back in the summertime. So I got arrested a few times for protesting. Well, not for protesting. That's not a charge. But because of the actions that I took during a protest. And then lately, we've been doing more educational stuff. So I actually participated in the Women's March weekend and led a nonviolent direct action training. And this weekend, we're going to be doing an informational meeting with the Tacoma Urban League. And so getting to meet some of the folks that work with them. and some of the folks that they serve. And so it's really about uh, power building right now and, and talking about the issues. And what I really like about the Poor People's Campaign is that we're not doing this for poor people. We're doing this with poor people and impacted people. It's not like we're trying to be part of the, you know, nonprofit industrial complex, do all this kind of businessy side of it. It's really about grassroots, getting together, community. We're always bringing food to all of our events. We're always inviting impacted people to speak. Um, So we we let those houseless folks lead us. We let people of color lead us. We let other people, with, you know, differently abled folks from the LGBTQ community. Anybody who's, you know, been impacted by these different systemic issues, that's kind of what we're focused on is the system level. But we also believe in shifting this moral narrative because these systems were built. by So it's a little bit of both. And I'm really passionate about that. From
0: your point of view, all the stuff you're doing, which is great. Do you think that's been a positive impact in your business? negative or no impact at all?
1: I would say that being involved in social justice causes has helped me in business because, so justice is just like a value of mine, right? And being able to live up your values and being able to do things that align with your values and be around other people who align with those, it's really fulfilling. And so I think when you're fulfilled outside of your, you know, nine to five or your eight to midnight, whatever hours you're working, if you can do something outside of that, that's, motivating you and fulfilling you and inspiring you that it's going to help you in your work life because even if something's kind of like boring or hard for work and stuff, I know that I've got like my poor people's campaign family that's going to be there to support me. And we know we're going to go out and help some folks this weekend and that just kind of keeps some fuel in the fire. So whatever that is for you, Um, there's a concern amongst family members and such that it could be harmful. um, Just from like the arrest standpoint specifically and there's definitely that's to consider. I don't know, you know, what industry and what types of jobs your listeners have, but it's definitely something to consider. And we talk about uh, like evaluating risk for yourself before you participate in a direct action. So, is it important for you to have a super squeaky clean record? You know, maybe you want to adopt children in the future, so you can't have anything on your record. I will say one thing too for anybody interested in the Poor People's Campaign: we don't do anything that would be a felony. So, any of the civil disobedience that we engage in is like misdemeanor you know, or below. Um, so that's another thing to think. And so I'm like, okay, I've got some pending potential misdemeanor charges, but when you go to disclose that information with the company, theoretically, they're supposed to read your answer about why those things happened and what your circumstance was. And this comes back to communication. I think if you can tell that story and how you've learned from it, whatever mistake you made, or in my case, it was intentional and it wasn't a mistake. I did that on purpose. And this is why. And I'm at the point in my life, I'm thankful I'm privileged enough to be able to say, hey, I don't want to work for a company who has a problem with me fighting for other people. Not everybody has that privilege. Totally get that. And also as an entrepreneur, I I don't think I'll be doing too many background checks. But sometimes some clients require it. I'm a vendor at Microsoft. Um, They didn't have a problem with it, I guess. So also, though, my conviction, my one conviction was dropped down to a civil infraction. So it's like a parking ticket, basically.
0: Okay, that's good
1: yeah so it's not as intense sounding as it is, and we're really safe and I think there's sometimes there's negative connotation with protesting that's not completely accurate.
0: Christina next, can you talk about tell me your success in the past, what you learned, and what we can learn from your success?
1: Absolutely, first of all, I think successful so we think about like successes as like a thing like I achieved like I did this thing and I was successful because of that. And I kind of take a different look at it, like I am successful. Like That's just who I am. I'm a successful person because I keep progressing. So success to me is about progress. But with that being said, some things that I think, or one thing that I think uh, was a big success for me very early on in my career was when I moved down to Texas. So right after college, I had got this temporary gig at a nonprofit and I was loving it. I was making like 22 bucks an hour, like fresh out of college in 2012, which was like, Decent money. Minimum wage in Colorado then was like seven twenty-five or something. So it was like, okay, hey, I went from like making 10 bucks an hour to 22 I thought that was really cool. And then that job ended because it was a temporary job. And also during that time, my family's home caught on fire. I was still living at home with my parents. And my partner had moved down to Texas for a job. So my life was just like in this crazy, like I was literally living in a hotel. I had a plane ticket to go visit my partner down in Texas. And I decided just to move down there instead. And um, I went into one of the only advertising agencies I could find. It was a small area of Texas down in the, the valley, in the Rio Grande Valley. Lived in Harlingen. Worked in McAllen, for those of you who are familiar with the area, or maybe you've seen the news headlines recently. So down there in the border, and there just wasn't a lot of agencies, marketing, advertising, or otherwise. Not that type of market. So I drove over like 35 miles, and I knew I was not staying in Texas. This is temporary. This is a stepping stone. It was my partner's first opportunity out of college. They paid for his relocation and stuff, so it worked out you know well for him to get started, and I went too, and I walked in there and I was like, "Look, I don't want a regular job. I'm not a regular job kind of person. like this is who I am, this is what I'm good at, this is how I can help your company be better. And i I made myself a job right there. Contract position, and it started out super part time, but I was able to work my work my way into a full-time role. I was actually the office manager when I left that role about a year and a half later. So at the time, I was still serving, you know, you know, working tables um, and stuff like that. And I've always kind of had at least two streams of income, still mostly earned income. I work on that passive income. But uh, yeah, that was a really big success for me because it gave me a lot of confidence moving forward to be like, yeah, you know, what? I don't have to go into this kind of corporate structure that everybody else around me seems to be going into. And so it just gave me a lot of confidence to pursue the entrepreneur route.
0: follow question. Talk about the time you failed what you learned from this what we can learn from this failure of yours in the past.
1: Yeah. So I would say one of my biggest failures was a time that I had this sales gig and I had it in my head that I was going to build up my own team and open up my own office. And I was helping somebody else do just that. So you know, I had an example. I was watching somebody else. I was, you know, that was my main mentor in this kind of industry. And I moved down to Houston with her from Seattle to help her open up her office. And we were growing and you know, starting to build my team. But then I just kept losing my team and kept losing my team and kept losing my team because sales has a lot of turnover. People are like, what? This sucks. And I highly suggest everybody do at least one sales job or at least a customer service job But sales even more so. But anyways, basically, I just kept failing over and over and over again. And I thought that quitting and like moving on to something else was a failure. So I just kept going in this like cycle and didn't have the mindset to pull myself out of it. And so finally, I did quit. And I moved back to Seattle. And it just opened up so many opportunities for me. I that's when I started the entrepreneur thing again, and started working on my own. That's when I met Brian Rutberg, who I've been working with for three and a half years now. And I've just had so many good experiences since then. But because I saw quitting that job as a failure, I was like, oh, this this means that I failed, even though I was like failing continuously the whole time I was there. My like lens there was just it was blinding me from making that decision, and like I could have maybe left two months earlier, probably. And those last two months were pretty bad. And maybe if I would have just left those two months earlier, I would have you know gotten into this this track that I'm loving right now that much sooner. So I would say what folks can learn from from my mistake is. Don't get hung up on the failure. Don't get hung up on the, what it, oh, people are going to see that I quit. People that looked up to me are going to see that I quit or my parents are going to see that I quit. And, you know, They're going to see it as a failure. Whatever. If you know that it's the right decision for you and that ending something might be a failure, but it's the right step to make to open you up to other opportunities.
0: Christina, I forgot to ask you this in a pre-talk, but were you have, do you have a book to recommend to our listeners?
1: Oh, yeah, I have a couple books. So for a business book, one of the books that really helped me, and I think this could also help folks who are having a hard time describing themselves or out there in the job hunt, is called Strengths Finder. So it's a book, you read like 30 pages on this philosophy about how if we just tapped into our innate strengths instead of trying to force everybody to be at least this good at everything and then, you know, better at other things, like if we just honed in on our innate strengths, we'd be A, better at things that we do, B, we'd be happier. And then you do a test online. It's kind of one of those. Highly agree, highly disagree kind of test, and it's timed. And then it shoots out your five, five top five innate strengths. And then it gives you actionable advice around it. What type of jobs you'd be good at, how to approach people with that type of strength, how to work with people with different types of strengths. So it's a good team builder, and it's good for uh, an individual to get some language about how to describe what you're really good at and take that into job interviews, take that into sales pitches. And then some other books from local artists that I just wanted to shout out real quick. Uh, Ejiofor Loo dropped a book last year called "So You Want to Talk About Race." Um, if you're interested in the social justice thing, I think that's a, a really good book to start, just to kind of understand why it is important that we talk about race. Uh, another local author and activist and prior mayoral candidate in Seattle, Nikita Oliver, dropped a poetry book called "Pebbles in My Shoes." I just finished reading it. I might have cried two or three times. <laughs> it was really good. And then I just found another local uh, author who writes children books where he makes black kids, the hero of the book. And so his name is Jeffrey Cheatham. He's got a book out called why is Jane? So man, those are my book recommendations.
0: Christina, do you have like a discount or free resource to give to the listeners?
1: Yeah, I would absolutely encourage folks to follow up with me and I have a link for a reading list. So <laughs> it includes um, none of the books that I just mentioned, but some other ones uh, really focused around communication, creativity and public speaking skills. And then I'm also happy to take a 30-minute call with any of your listeners who just want to maybe work on your elevator pitch, talk through a communication challenge, or if you're you know, kind of new in the industry or something and have questions about entrepreneurship.
0: Christina, can you share your social media links for the yourself, your company, so people can reach out to you?
1: Yeah, like we said, social media is important. So I've been really active on Instagram lately, which is at underscore C Brennan. It's also my Twitter handle. If you hang out over there. And then LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me. I've got more tips and articles and things there as well.
0: If our listeners will have the links to our book recommendations and everything else on our show notes and the show notes are at at www.cabinetshrblog.com. Christina, we come to the end of our talk. Can you provide the listeners any last minute wisdom or advice on any subject you would like to talk
1: about? I actually came up with five tips to talk about, but we just kind of didn't get there because we were having such a good conversation. I'll go through them real quick and then I'll, I'll send them to you so you can put them in the show notes as well. But for any type of presentation, any type of communication, always lead with the benefit, right? We kind of talked about that earlier. Open strong, make sure you get that attention early. Skip the jargon, make sure that, you know, people understand what language you're using, define acronyms, things like that. Storytelling versus facts, people will remember your stories before they remember things that you tell them and then always have a call to action and so my call to action is to connect with me on social media linkedin specifically is a good place and to just go be great today right is that what our call to action is yes i'll let you do it sorry if i ruined your
0: that's fine christina thank you for for being here today really appreciate you doing a lot of great things for a lot of great causes
1: yeah i'm excited to uh, see cabinet's hr grow too so thank you for having me
0: and so listeners thank you for your your time as well remember to be great every day
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode
0: of Cavnish HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit CavnishR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Cavnish HR. Thanks again, and be great every
1: day.